0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Inside Access with Jason and on Fora and Ken Wyman. Sponsored by Stevenson University Online. 105.7 The Fan.
2: Well, I think the thing about Nick Chubb is his downhill just... Combination of explosiveness and power. You know you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna throw arm in there. You're not gonna throw a shoulder in there an elbow or something like that and knock him down. I mean, you got to bring everything you got. You got to wrap him up and then everybody else has got to come too because he's gonna be running and bringing it 100 miles an hour with a lot of power. Got great vision. They built the offense around him essentially, so he's uh, he's right there. If he's not the best back in the league, he's one up.
1: I think that combination of those two backs are the best two in the business. So we know that going into the game. And are there matchup problems? There always is when you when you're going against the best two backs and, you know, combined combination and probably singular if they, you know, were on opposite teams, you know, I mean, they're, they're just, they're both really good backs. So it's always a tough matchup.
3: Well, you heard from John Harbaugh and then some oldies, but goodies from one Wink Martindale talking about the Browns running game, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and they're still there. And Jason, they can be a problem as we saw at the beginning of what, 2019, when they ran all over the Ravens,
4: but of late, the Ravens have been able to shut down Nick Chubb. It's pretty interesting. I mean, Nick Chubb's a guy who comes into the season averaging five point five yards per carry in his career, which goes back to twenty eighteen, which is some rare air. That that you start hearing names like Jim Brown, right? When you're st- talking about five five a carry, mm-hmm. he's faced the Ravens eight times, which is the most of anyone, tied with the Steelers, and he averages fifty six point six rushing yards per game against the Ravens. He averages just 65.4 scrimmage yards per game against the Baltimore Ravens. And he averages 4.6 yards per carry, which is is good, but it's almost a yard below his career average, even factoring that in. So, like, I am not trying to discount Nick Chubb. And I I do think in a weird way, this Browns team might be, and it's a low bar to clear, but like might be better equipped to hit some stuff in play action because brissett has been okay at it and Baker Mayfield was very hit or miss. And a lot of times when Mayfield did it, they'd have to boot him out. And so you kind of knew which side of the field he was throwing to. So maybe that element and the play action part of it could be an issue. But Nick Chubb has not been a problem for the Baltimore Ravens. That's just a fact, T-Bone.
5: He's only had one game where he went off and Ken just referenced it. It was the first game in 2019 where the Browns came into Baltimore and whooped them. He had 20 carries for 165 yards and I believe he broke off a 75-yarder in that game. That was when Earl Thomas stopped running. He didn't want to pull a hamstring is what he said. Other than that, he's done nothing and we had on Bernie Kozar earlier in the week. And I agree wholeheartedly with what he said. I think Nick Chubb is the best pure runner in football. Now he's not going to hurt you much catching the ball out of the backfield. That's not his MO, but that's why they have Kareem hunt. And I think he's a guy that the Ravens need to monitor out of the backfield. But I would say with how the interior defensive line is playing, especially after that Giants game where Matt Abike played well, Travis Jones had a season high in snaps. My concern would be how this team sets the edge, because even
4: though Nick Chubb is a bruiser, he can still run. He ran a four five in the combine. Well, and the interesting thing is, T-Bone, to piggyback off what you're talking about, he had an, 88-yard run against the Ravens. 88, okay. And he had a 70-yard reception against the Ravens. Those two plays account for 30% of all of his scrimmage yards against the Ravens. That's 158 yards. He's got 523 against them in his career Mm -hmm. in eight games. So, I mean, outside of those two plays, he's been completely ineffective.
5: And it's also worth noting that... Wyatt Teller, who's been second-team All-Pro the past two years, he is doubtful to play. Mm-hmm. He's got a calf injury, so that does not help the Browns up front. Ken.
3: Well, and, they, and their center what retired, so they, yep. like they're J.C. J.C. Yeah, so that they, they are they aren't the there was a couple what a couple years ago people thought the Browns had as good an offensive line as there was in football. I don't
4: know that it's to that level anymore. No, it's not. I mean, Conklin's been hurt a bunch, right? And he took less money to stay. Um, Betonio's getting up there. Like it, it's it's still a good unit. I mean, don't don't get it twisted. And it's part of the reason that they're still a very effective team running the ball. But the Ravens have been a tough matchup for them. And you know, I, I don't know that Nick Chubb will go crazy in this game. I will be fascinated to see more this week than last how Mike McDonald decides like what he's willing to give up and what he's not willing to give up. Like. It was all about stopping the run last week without really any threat of a downfield pass. We've seen tight ends go off on the Ravens before. Mm -hmm. We know that Patrick Queen, any given Sunday might have trouble with a matchup like Kareem Hunt. And the Amari Cooper thing is like Amari Cooper is making more plays than you might think. And you have to respect that element. You just do. Um, And maybe the, the, the best thing for this defense will be the Ravens running the ball down the throat of a Cleveland defense that can't stop anything because now you're keeping guys off the field. Now we're not worried about how many reps for Calais and JPP and Justin Houston, if he comes back, right? I think the, the best defense is to keep the Ravens defense off the field and to keep Nick Chubb on the opposite sideline, because I I, I just want to point out the Ravens, the eighth worst defense in the NFL, allowing 2.2 points per drive. They're the sixth worst defense in the NFL in terms of touchdowns per drive. 27% of all drives for opponents this season have ended in a touchdown. That's sixth worst. Um, There's, you know, there's still some issues here. And no Marcus Williams. How, T-Bone, does Mike McDonald sort of say, okay, I'm willing to rob Peter to pay Paul here? Like, what what what? How much am I willing to really sell out to stop the run? And I think guys like Kyle Hamilton are going to be <clears throat> tested as well. Um, I think you know nickel, especially dime personnel. I think is going to be tested because a lot of the best stuff the Browns are doing is with three wides on the field. When they run out of spread formations, that's really been effective for them. Even more effective than some of the heavy stuff, which means now you've got different personnel on the field than you might otherwise have. Um, And how does that chess match unfold? Amari Cooper, like you said, Jason, that was a salary dump
5: for the Cowboys, and he's been a thing for them. He's got two 100-yard performances. He's got four touchdowns in his past five games. You also got Donovan Peoples-Jones there. They're going to be committed to the run, but as you said earlier, play action is going to be a big part of what they do, and Jacoby Brissett... He is fourth in the NFL in throws downfield. He's got 27 of them, 20 air yards or more. He hasn't had a ton of success in connecting with them, but you're going to see a couple bombs out of the Browns. And this Browns receiving core is much better than what the Giants trotted out last week.
3: Hey, a couple injury notes. Uh, absent in practice today for the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins, second straight day. Mark Andrews, second straight day. Patrick Ricard and Marcus Peters. Returning to practice, Devin Duvernay. Ben Cleveland back and Morgan Moses back. Also, according to Jonah Schaefer, Lamar Jackson arrived about 20 minutes into practice today, just as he did yesterday.
4: So obviously, getting treatment, I would assume the hip is going to appear on the injury report again. Um, Yeah, look, they've got to get something else going at the wide receiver position, and if that's if that's Bateman, and he's good enough to go even as a deep decoy or something, um, if it's not too soon for Deshaun Jackson, then so be it. But something's got to give, there, guys. I mean, I don't know how much of this is Bateman. But the first three weeks of the season, when Lamar Jackson went play action, he was the third-ranked quarterback in the NFL with a 144.5 rating, completed 28 of 37 passes for 10.4 yards per completion, four touchdowns, no interceptions, right? Hmm. First three weeks, Lamar's attempting the sixth most play action passes. He's the third-ranked quarterback in the NFL. Do you want to know? Take a guess where Lamar's ranked in play action passing the last three weeks. The bottom. Dead effing last. He's got a 48.9 rating. He's completed 17 of 29 passes. 6.4 yards per attempt versus 10.4. No touchdowns versus four. Two interceptions versus none. You're going to tell me all of a sudden Lamar Jackson can't complete play action passes? Or maybe, just maybe, people aren't separating. Their Teams are not having to respect it anymore without Bateman or anybody else on the outside you have to fear. And that in turn leads to Lamar forcing some things, and maybe maybe chicken in the egg, maybe it started from lack of personnel, Castle.
3: <laughs> we have a huge Thursday show. We get started guest-wise. Jim Hunter, a uh, longtime voice of the Orioles, part of our Baltimore baseball tonight coverage. We'll talk some MLB playoffs with him at 2.30, 3.30. Brian Baldinger, uh, Odyssey NFL insider. We'll talk to him about what's going on with the Ravens and the rest of the National Football League. Odyssey Sports betting insider Ryan Horvat at 4 o'clock. Daryl Ryder covers the Browns for 92-3. The fan in Cleveland joins us at
4: 4.30. Big show. Football show. Big game. Division game. Trappy trap -trap game. No, that was last week. This isn't a trappy trap game. Better not be. It's a divisional game. I don't think. No. Last week was the trappy trap. And they fell
3: in it. Yeah. Well, they had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and then they, they imploded. Trapdoor. Yeah. Coming up next here on the program, what's going on with the Ravens' run game? You buying Kenyon Drake for another week? J.K. Dobbins not practicing again today. Can they get something out of the run game against Cleveland? We'll tell you next here on The Fan.
4: Inside Access with Jason Ken. It's not just a
1: radio show.
4: This is your
1: inside access to the facts that others ignore. Jason LaCavora and Ken Wyman. 105.7 The Fan.
2: J.K.'s B. tightened up yesterday on him. Uh, he just He just didn't feel like he had that explosiveness, you know, in the second half. Whatever, I think he might have landed on it at some point, um, but uh, Kenyon stepped up and did a great job. And, you know, Mike didn't get get the ball, but he did a really good job in the place he was in in terms of he had some blocking responsibilities. But the opportunity to get Kenyon started was there. And once you get him started and heading downhill, he's really effective. He's got some speed and some explosiveness.
3: That's John Harbaugh talking about J.K. Dobbins and also Kenyon Drake. J.K. Dobbins, if you're just tuning in, is not on the field for practice again
4: today which makes it seem unlikely he's gonna play I never Sunday bought in the first place that he like when he didn't come back in that game and everybody's trying to say, oh well he could have and we thought about well, it and I agree but they said the same thing about Morgan Moses he's back on the practice field today. Morgan Moses is coming off a catastrophic knee injury.
3: I get it, I get it, but they they did I feel like they were they, they're being extra cautious because of that
4: field but yes the JK Dobbins thing also has pass injury. This is a setback mm. unfortunately. At a moment right when, you know, I think everybody was leaning into the idea that they could ramp him up. And I th- I think you have to take this incredibly seriously. And they have to be ever so cautious as they were being in the first place. But I think the idea that, like, coming out of that game, this was just like an ancillary subplot and nothing to see here. Never passed my sniff test. Yeah. The good news is. Hill is working towards getting back. Yes, he's practicing. Right? And that could be in the cards this weekend. And all of a sudden, the pistol rushing attack looked real good against the New York Giants. New New York Giants are not good against the run. Winks willing to concede that. And the Browns haven't stopped the damn thing all year on the ground. Um, But I think Kenyon Drake could feast in this game. And I think if you look at... For all the talk, and we have Bernie Kozar on this week, right? We had Jake Trotter mm. from ESPN Cleveland yeah. this week, and they're talking about how undersized the front seven is. And when you get heavy on these guys, they can't stop it. Well, the weird thing about the Browns is that when you really dive into the plays and you dive into the numbers, they're pretty much league average when you have two backs on the field. They're pretty much league average when you have two or more tight ends on the field. Where they suck is when you spread them out. When you're in 11 personnel, which is one back, one tight end, and three wide receivers, the Cleveland Browns allow 6.7 yards per carry. That is 31st in football. Their defensive EPA against the run in that personnel, minus 24. Dead last in the NFL. Um, Their success rate against the run in those formations – 47.5% dead last in the NFL. And they allow 12.6 rushes per touchdown out of that formation. So for every 12.6 rushes that somebody is attacking them in 11 personnel, they're scoring a touchdown. T-bone, that is also dead last in football. The Ravens go heavy more than anybody else. The Ravens have Ricard and two backs out there, and two tight ends out there over 60% of the time. more than twice the league average. But I wonder seeing what they did with Drake last year, last week in the pistol with Lamar and maybe getting a little more healthy at the receiver position. If they lean into some of what's really gutted them, which is spreading them out and running the ball that way in the option game, it would be completely malpractice if they didn't do that because that's where,
5: The Browns are worse from a rush defense standpoint. And this defense in general is in disarray. And John Johnson, their safety, which they acquired for a decent contract from the Rams. When he recently talked about this defense, he kind of referenced a lack of effort, which is very concerning to hear for the Browns and Jake Trotter who joined us yesterday, covers the Browns for ESPN, just tweeted out this stat. Ravens offense ranks number one in both run block win rate and yards before contact on design runs per carry. Browns defense giving up the most yards before contact on design runs per carry. Uh, Joe Woods, their defensive coordinator, has been under fire as well recently. This should be a game that the Ravens lean on the run and they just had their first 100-yard performance on the ground last week with Kenyon Drake, I want to see him have more than 10 carries in this game. And the hope would be if Justice Hill is back, a Mr. Outside Guy, and we know that Drake has some burst as well,
3: this run game should feast. Are we buying Kenyon Drake? Are we thinking this was more because of the Giants, or or can he do this against the Browns? Are you because well, of, I think I, this is a
4: favorable matchup for yeah, him. Yeah. I don't know that... He's going to be a bell cow for them, but again, I also don't know. Like, I, I'm not just going to like take out my sharpie and put J.K. Dobbins in the game day 46 for next week. I'm not. Mm-hmm. You're saying for the Browns? I'm saying the week after. No,
5: I. Why would you? I. There's a very realistic chance that we don't see J.K. Dobbins peak form. Very realistic. You just look at Saquon Barkley. Um, Over the past couple years to this year, it it takes guys time at the running back position and Dobbins having a setback on what was this? His third game. Yeah, Yeah. it's
4: concerning. Well, and again, they're not always going to tell us obviously everything they know. We were scratching our heads the week before, saying, "Wow, it was a whole, like almost no Dobbins in the second yeah. half." he he had a season low in carries, right? So like, was, was that by design it. or was that because something wasn't quite right? Well, he talked after he talked that week in the in the locker room during open locker room and said, "I wanted to be well, out he's there." He's always, I mean, that's what he's always going to say. Yeah, and they're always going to couch these things the way that they feel like gives them the best competitive advantage to couch it. I'm talking about the truth. I hear you, but if.
3: Why? Why let him be out there to talk if he's gonna if he's gonna say that? <laughs> you know, and you find it funny. I, I just think I think he wanted. Was to be he out at t-
4: the podium or was it after no, the
3: game? Open, open locker room? room. Open well, locker room during do? the week. Say you have to hide. No, but you tell him you don't want him to talk. He said he's not a veteran, vested veteran. You tell him I'd rather you don't speak, guys. Don't speak. Stick in the locker room. Don't, stay away from the media. You don't talk because if you're gonna talk, I, I I take him at his word. I don't think he's lying. Well, there's no he s- wants to play. He's telling no, you I, his word. No, I'm telling you, I think he thinks he's available to play, but he's sticking to the plan. Well, I don't th- think he was banged up. Well, that's abundantly clear,
5: though. You can go back to training camp day one when he was on PUP and he's running down the sidelines screaming for everyone to hear. We had Cordell on, and he told us the well, same yeah. thing. And Mark Viviano, where he does the player yeah. show with J.K. Dobbins each week, he wasn't on the on the field for that game-winning drive mm-hmm. against the Bengals, which is a well. Head that's what. Yeah, as that's well. what. He, that's what. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Dobbins being the competitor that doesn't shock me at all. And when he was with Viv a few weeks ago, he admitted that the Ravens are protecting him from himself. He's coming off just a
4: devastating injury last year. Well, I think the reality is if they thought he is, I think it's probably somewhat performance i I don't know hill goes down right Mm -hmm. he comes off grabbing his hammy at a time you think dobbins is going to play more you can't tell me that he only had eight like that that medically he was only allowed to have eight carries in that game i think just because of game flow and because of whatever and because of whatever they may have seen or whatever he may have said behind the scenes i don't care what he says to the media there's no way that that was scripted for him To play that infrequently in that game. But that's how it turned out to be. And then the following week, oh, nothing to see here. He just, no, no, there's something to see here. I buy that. I do buy there's something to see here now because he
3: ain't practicing this week. Hey, coming up next, we switch gears to baseball. We had two games last night, one tonight, game two of the ALCS tonight. We'll get Jim Hunter's thoughts of the baseball playoffs. What's he think of this Yankees-Astros series? We'll ask him next here on The Fan.
4: Access on the fan. Before you hear it anywhere else, get inside access
1: to breaking news. Jason LaCanfora and Ken Wyman. One oh five seven. The fan. Now the O2 pitch to Guriel, and this one is hit well, deep left field, and into the Crawford boxes for a home run, and the Astros
4: take a two to one lead.
3: Yuli Gurriel, one of three home runs for the Astros last night, helping them beat the Yankees four to two in Game One of the ALCS. Game two is tonight. Uh, Padres and Phillies tied a game apiece as the Padres came back from four nothing to win eight five last night or yesterday afternoon let's bring on let go to the Ashley Furniture guest hotline bring on Jim Hunter longtime voice of the Orioles now part of our Baltimore baseball tonight coverage and Jim good afternoon thank you as always for joining us Yankees not much rest as they had to play the day before because of the rain out and they go to Houston and and they they got uh hit by some home runs or got hit they gave up some home runs and then Ger- Verlander was verlander
1: yeah, that that was a tough matchup. I mean, you got uh, the team that was the best team in the American League all year in the Astros on full rest. I mean, they hadn't played since last Saturday uh, when they won in Seattle to sweep that series, and you got the guy who's probably going to win the Cy Young Award going to the mound. And you know the the Yankees, even though I'm sure they did get some rest, although they they would have probably preferred to have a day off in between. But it was a typical Yankee performance. You know, if if they hit home runs, they have a chance to win. They lost 4-2. to two, They had two solo home runs, and that was it. This team seems incapable of manufacturing runs to keep the pressure on the opposing team. And the Astros have enough balance up and down the lineup that I think this is going to be a tough uh, series for the Yankees to get back in.
5: Jim, the Yankees have plenty of stars on their team, but... Harrison Bader's really been <laughs> stealing the shine during this postseason. Had another home run last night. He ties Bryce Harper for the postseason lead. I mean, what do you think of this guy coming out of nowhere in the postseason?
1: Well, I, I think what it shows, Tim, is what Brian Cashman thought he was getting when he made that trade with the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, if you remember when when he was acquired, Uh, he was still in a walking boot because he had that plantar fasciitis that took a lot longer to heal than I think the Yankees thought it would. And then of course, Jordan Montgomery gets off to a a brilliant start with the Cardinals and everyone is thinking, what the heck is Cashman thinking? Well, what he's thinking is when this guy is healthy, he's a very good defensive center fielder. He has a good arm, he covers a ton of ground. Uh, The center field into left center, especially Yankee Stadium, that, that is a cavernous outfield there. And he's getting hot at the right time. But, again, if you're relying on Harrison Bader to carry you offensively with all those other big names in the lineup, it's going to be a tough go. They, you know, they they have to figure out, and, and I don't know what the answer is because they're kind of built this way, and they did win 99 games. But, you know, I, I'd like to see, you know, like in the Padre game last night uh, when Austin Nola got the base hit off his brother Aaron Nola, he had two strikes on. Uh, 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 in the at bat, and he just hit a line driver with the second baseman's head to drive in a run. I mean, I, that's what the Yankees need to get back to, in my opinion, because if you if you're going to sit back and simply wait on the long ball, and I realize, you know, in the game against uh, the Guardians the other day, they get the three run home run in the first inning and never look back. But if you if you have to rely on that, it's tough to win, especially in a shortened series when you're playing a team that statistically is deeper and statistically is better than you.
4: Well, and and the other area where I feel like these two teams are really on opposite ends of the spectrum is the bullpen, too, right? I mean, I don't know that Houston, ha- I don't know there is a weak link or an underbelly at all. I mean, the Hunter Brown kid comes up and, and looks like um, he's going to be their next great starting pitcher once he's able to crack that rotation. Whereas the Yankees, right, It's Clark- they, they've had the injuries, they've had to call some guys up at the end, they had the whole thing with Chapman, not that he was great. It just seems like, Aaron Boone's got a lot less to count on 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth inning than Houston.
1: Well, you know, that's a good point, Jason. And, you know, Roldis Chapman, although he was having a horrible year, he didn't help them by not showing up at yeah. the mandatory workout, and so he's not on the roster. Uh, they thought they had a chance to get Zach Britton back, but he re-injured his shoulder after coming back from Tommy John and, you know, you, you look at Frankie Montas even got in the game last night, uh, in inning in relief and he gave up a run. He's supposed to be one of the guys in the rotation that, that was supposed to solidify the rotation when they got him from Oakland. Uh, but the Astros, uh, the last I looked in, in, You know, Baltimore baseball tonight, we haven't done a show in about a month. But uh, the Astros, if they weren't number one in bullpen ERA in the American League, they were certainly in the top two. And and you're right. I mean, if if you get a lead, especially with the starters they're throwing out there, I mean, if they could somehow win tonight, travel to New York, have the day off tomorrow, and then get back at it on Saturday, uh, they're going to be in good shape because they, they not only have a reliable bullpen, they have relievers who usually stick to their roles, and uh, Dusty Baker knows how to use them. And, you know, that, that's the one thing about this matchup also. that I, I think Dusty Baker clearly is a much more sophisticated manager than Aaron Boone is, and I think that gives the Astros a big, big advantage.
5: Jim, Aaron Judge had an O for last night. How surprised are you with Aaron Judge's struggles this postseason? And it's not just this year. It, it, pretty much throughout his postseason career, it, it, some stars just can't transfer the regular season success over into October.
1: Yeah, and you know, it is strange because the guy almost won the Triple Crown. It's not like, you know, the, the home run record for the American league record at 62. It wasn't only about that. I mean, he led the league in RBIs and, uh, it came down to the end where he almost won the batting title as well and he would have won the Triple Crown. But again, I, I, I don't understand. Why these guys? And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the analytics that just dominate this game now. That you know these uppercut swings, and he certainly uh, is a home run hitter. I mean, he just hit 62 home runs. But what I'd like to see him do is hit some line drives to get base hits. You know, maybe a double down the line or a double to the right center gap, just to get some confidence. I mean, he's batting what 167 in the postseason and he's a guy that they lean on because when he's going well, they go well. And, and again, I mean, it's, it's great to have the home run hitters up and down the lineup, but they, they scored, don't forget, 51% of their runs in the regular season came on home runs. That means they're not manufacturing a lot of runs. So if they if they do get the multiple home run games, you know, unfortunately, last night they got two, but they were both solos uh, from the Yankee standpoint. But I, I would like to see judges uh, – Cut down on his swing, maybe not guess as much. Just you know, look for one to pick it out. You know, uh, Jim Palmer talks about it all the time. You know, until you have two strikes, look for your pitch and put a good swing on it. And then once you have two strikes, you have to protect. I, I would like to see him do that. A nice level swing, just make solid contact. Forget about the home run. And probably what would happen is if he if he finds his stroke, the home runs likely will return.
3: Talking to Jim Hunter, it's Inside Access here on the fan. Let's go to the National League, Jim, and the Phillies take game one and then are up 4 nothing yesterday. You're thinking the Padres are probably in, in uh, deep trouble, but they come back and win 8-5 and even that series.
1: Yeah, and that, that was a, a huge win and a huge comeback uh, for the Padres to get even in that series before going to Philadelphia uh, because as Wheeler did the day before in the early part of that game, Aaron Nola was just dominating the Padre hitters. Uh, And then all of a sudden it fell apart, and, uh, you know, there were some blue pits, there were some line drive hits, uh, you know, a couple of long balls. Manny hit one out late to uh, pad the score, and they they got a little bit of a cushion there. Uh, But that that was one of those games where if the Phillies win that, they're likely on their way to the World Series because it's going to be tough for or would have been tough for the uh, Padres to have to win – four out of five games. Uh, Now at least they're even. Uh, They they have today off to travel. They'll, They'll go to Philadelphia and they'll play on Saturday, uh, and what you know the the Philly fans have been raucous uh, in the games uh, that they've been able to play there and uh, i I expect a lot of that to continue because they're just so happy uh, that they uh, have the postseason in Philadelphia where they can root uh, but that that was just a, a huge, huge win and you know you, you got to give uh, Bob Melvin credit uh, he played a hunch he, he put Drury in at first base, sat Will Myers. And Drury in his first at-bat, he hits a home run, and that's what got San Diego going. Uh, So Drury, you know, who was picked up at the deadline from uh, Cincinnati, you know, that's a great move by the manager, you know, playing a hunch and uh, putting him in there. And uh, against a very good pitcher in Nola, he hit a home run. So, Padres very impressive especially because as you said they had to come from behind to do it and when they were down four nothing early on I really thought that it was just going to be one of those Philly uh you know hold on and go on and win and go up 2-0 but uh, the Padres did what they had to do and they got a split after losing in the opener.
3: Jim Hunter always a pleasure sir we will talk next week.
1: All right guys uh, pleasure thanks for calling. Yes sir
3: uh coming up next here on the show we'll switch back to football and uh John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, Justin Matabike, they spoke to the media yesterday. We'll hear from them next here on The Fan.
4: Inside access on The Fan. Check back three, four,
3: five times a day for the latest breaking sports news. 1057 The Fan.
2: Well, I mean, we'll see. It's a great question. You know, we'll just see where it goes. He's on the practice squad. Did his job today on the practice squad. Looked good. Looked like he's in shape. Uh, we'll just take it from there.
3: That was John Harbaugh yesterday asking about Deshaun Jackson's first day of practice of Raven. He's back out on the field again today. Uh, and uh, he was asked, one of the questions was asked about his, what he brings to the team. And he said, just check my tape. It speaks for itself. But uh, Jason, if practicing again, I would think he's practicing in full. If JPP is any barometer, I expect Deshaun Jackson to play on Sunday.
4: Yeah, I I guess so, right? Um, It wouldn't be without precedent. I I don't know that it's ideal. Um, The thing about Deshaun Jackson was, like, you look at the waiver wire, I don't recall seeing him, like, as one of these guys who had been working out here, then working out there, then working out here. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's not to say that he wasn't doing everything he could possibly do to be in the best football shape possible. But it's not even like he was having these simulated sort of camps or mini camps because he was doing a tour, you know what I mean? And he worked out for three or four teams and then signed. It seemed like he was going to be very judicious about deciding if and when he would work out for anybody. And then they signed him on the spot. But we've seen them in the past sign guys. Mm -hmm. Maybe not week eight, week seven, whatever. But they're be a point in time before they thought they were football ready. Like Des Bryant. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't really know what to make of it because it's it's hard to, like, simulate training camp and simulate weeks of practice when you play a position like that where it's so incumbent on him being in tip-top speed and, and him being... Like, he, he's like a Ferrari, like Ed Reed said. Like, is that Ferrari really all geared up? Yeah. After two NFL practices? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I guess we'll find out. But is that suboptimal?
5: I, I don't know. Am I overthinking it? It's definitely suboptimal. And I was just looking it up. I couldn't find any workouts that he went to. No, until, I mean, I, I
4: look at the wire. I don't recall seeing it. Yeah,
5: until he came to Baltimore... I would expect him to get one of those practice squad elevations on Saturday. I would be very surprised if he played a ton of snaps. He's just going to be on packages. Run deep. Go deep. (laughs) That's going to be his job on Sunday. But Deshaun Jackson was on the I Am Athlete podcast last week, I believe, and he named three teams that he was interested in playing for. Eagles, Packers, and the Ravens. And then, of course, he sang Lamar Jackson's praise. He gave the answer that you would expect when he was asked in open locker room, what kind of shape are you in? And he said that he's been working out. But we'll see. We'll see on Sunday. Uh, Such a quick turnaround. But we've been surprised before. And you referenced Jason Pierre-Paul and... We thought he was going to be on a pitch count, maybe just third downs, obvious passing downs, and I believe he played over 80% of the snaps, yeah. and he just got thrown right into the deep end. I don't expect that to be the case for Deshaun Jackson, but who the
3: heck
2: knows at this point,
3: Kevin. More from John Harbaugh talks about the mentality they need to have to finish games.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just think it's one of those things you don't want to overthink. You know, It's not one of those things you want to make more of than it is. I mean, we're going to try to finish everything. You try to finish... The start the first play, just like you try to finish the last play. So keep playing football, keep doing what we do, and we'll be fine. Right,
3: here's the problem, though. These guys are human beings. They get another double-digit lead in the second half. And I just feel like, Jason, it's impossible that doesn't seep in. Like, is this here we go
4: again? Uh, well, the good news is the Browns are dealing with the exact same thing. So who has, who has the better uh, sports psychology staff this week? Who's got the better Ziggy Freuds? It's not the analytics guys winning this one. It's the sports psychologist. That's gonna be the edge. It's definitely in their hands. It's heads. my X Factor. Wow. This is, is also the Saucy Brown bowl, could, which we've yes, been in remiss could. not talking
5: about earlier in the week. Could that be on your hot seat tomorrow? Psychologist. I got to do the
4: hot seat. It could like, be. I was like, thinking oh, more true. of yeah. an X factor, yeah. but it could, it could work. I yeah. thought Stone was doing the hot seat. Well, we could. Uh, he's get, got, we know. We know. We know, stone on we know, know. who's but on Stone's hot we seat. All we, all all yeah. Yeah. we all know. He's <laughs> in the crosshairs. We all know. Who's Stone's
5: coming for? <laughs> but, but you can't tell me that it's not in their head. And going even deeper to the defensive side of the ball, Chuck Clark, he's referenced in, in multiple postgame pressers that, all right, we're in this situation. we know we need to get a stop. They haven't gotten a critical stop yeah. all year in a must-have drive.
4: You know who would be. We're looking for people who could possibly speak to what it's like to be one in seventeen picking football games against the spread. I think there's an 18 game stretch where Sassy Brown only won one football game. Maybe that oh, would be maybe he would be yeah. maybe he would be the guy who could add some perspective to that. I know you were seeking well, out Gino yeah, but, Stone. But here's
0: the thing: <laughs> the he other
4: day at this castle, he, I think we send you in next week to try to get a sit down with Sashi Brown. He didn't coach the team. He you know, put the team
5: together. Yeah. He didn't coach the team, but it's also he didn't come on to talk about the Go Go's. He's not coming
4: yeah. on. Either. Oh, I don't think he's coming on here. I think Stone would have to track him down at the castle. I
5: don't.
3: Stone think sneaks
5: on an elevator. You know. Sashi,
4: we got something in common. <laughs> Let me tell you about it.
5: Yeah, we're one in 17. Stone is not endearing himself to uh, the castle.
3: Let's hear more from uh the Ravens. Lamar Jackson talks about not uh, sorry, it's an audible there Stone. Cut 15. Not overthinking in critical moments.
2: I feel like we we need to stop putting that on our mind cuz we know we should be doing that anyways. You know, we the offense, we get in the red zone, we should we should score points, not overemphasize that like we got to we in the red zone, we need to score, you know. Me and some of the guys were talking like we just got to go out there and do us. Because we've been doing it without thinking about scoring in the red zone. or scoring from here. We just went out there and did it. And we need to get back to it.
3: Well, they probably are thinking about it. And I think Lamar Jackson, and I I don't know that I would have said this three weeks ago, but he's one of the guys that needs to stop thinking about it and just get it done in the red zone. Well, it was pretty good when it was 5-for-5 against New England. Yes, it was. That was – Yeah, those were
5: good times. That was something. Those were good times. They've scored just four touchdowns in their last 10 red zone opportunities it's not going to get the job done
3: no no it definitely won't get the job done let's hear more from Lamar uh talks about scoring touchdowns not field goals
2: yeah we we do that a lot like we got to score right here we're in the red zone that's why I said we shouldn't be putting that on our mind you know we know what we're supposed to do we the offense our job is to score points we're not trying to rely on tuck. only time we should rely on him is for extra points that's how I feel we need to go out there and score points as much as we can because I feel like we got the guys to do it we got all the talent in the real we just got to execute, and we had opportunities, we just missed them. We got to try not mixing opportunities.
3: They have missed a lot of opportunities. We've seen it over the last few weeks. Even in the Cincinnati game, they missed opportunities in a game they won.
2: Well,
4: for what it's worth, they currently are still 10th in the NFL, scoring a touchdown on 60% of their red zone possessions. But as T-Bone pointed out, it's it, the last since they left Foxborough, it ain't been so... Ain't been so sexy.
5: Well, and the scoring in general. And we're going to talk more about Lamar and deep balls and play action, which have been abysmal in this stretch. But scoring in general, they haven't scored more than 20 points yeah. in this three-game stretch.
3: Let's get one more cut in because I remember yesterday, Jason has uh, Justin Matabike getting double-digit sacks. The last cut. I could, wouldn't rule it out. for 24. Button. Uh, Justin game, improving as a pass rusher.
2: All thanks to myself, you know. Um, I work for that. I work especially in the off season to work on my pass rush game. I feel like I was lacking on that last year, and I feel like it's it's showing now. But you know, we have a bunch more games to go, so uh,
3: the grind continues. Did he say all oh, thanks to myself? All he thanks did. to m- myself, you know.
4: Wow! <laughs> thanks Shout to out! Shout out me! <laughs> I put the work in. I wasn't. I didn't. I was. I didn't think that's what he had said before. He but did. all thanks, all thanks to, m- to myself, you know. It's can like, we hear the can we hear the question too or no? no or is that impo- We don't have the question.
3: Questions cut out. All thanks to myself. It reminded me. Remember, <laughs> I love when, it. Remember when uh, Quinn and Williams, after he got drafted by the Jets, he sneezed and he blessed himself. He he, he sneezed. and went, God bless you. I it almost
5: does. feel like that's worse. with Matt yeah, all, <laughs> all thanks. Can, to, can, save, that, save that.
3: Save that stone. <laughs> oh, that's, that's brilliant. Just just isolate that. And I would save like
4: it. to hear Stone Cold Felts giving out his picks and then saying hundred percent. I'm one in 17 All in my career. All thanks to myself. All thanks to myself. <laughs> thanks to myself. Uh, coming up next here on the show. This uh don't, f- co- don't forget Chris Wormley game coming up against the Steelers. He might have two Chris Warnley games against the Steelers. Who, Matabike?
3: Yes. Oh, Matabike is a better player than Wormley. That's, how you,
4: get, that's how you get the 10 sacks. Hey, coming up next, it's a six-pack,
3: and Halloween is approaching. The six worst trick-or-treat stuff to get, we give you ours next here on the fan. Inside. Inside.